0: So, hey guys, welcome to another week of our weekly q and I have no idea what episode we're on. I think it's like seven or eight, but uh, I'll make sure for next week I have a specific number. So, first things first, we have some exciting news. Um, we are going to be able to launch kind of an audio-only version of the podcast. Uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to backdate all the ones we've done so far. I'm not sure I'll get some more details on like where those are going to be available, whether it's going to be on iPlayer, not iPlayer iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is. Um, we'll get those details out. And I think how it's going to work is to give the group still a little bit of exclusivity. The video from our chats will go up on the Wednesday, whereas the audio won't go out till the Friday. That just means that the guys in the group, if you want to get it ahead of time, you can get it. But, there will be the audio-only version so that you can listen to it while you're driving or whatever, because as me and Dan were having a chat the other day, an hour of looking at our faces is not appealing to a lot of people. Um,
1: <laughs> so um, anything you wanted to cover kind of before we jump into the questions, Dan? No, but I think you've covered it. I think I'm quite excited about the podcast. I think it'll be handy for people to just have us speaking in their ears when they're going out for their walks. Um, I think it's a great idea, and I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Should be fun, anyways. So uh, let's get the first
0: question up and running. Um, let's go through the guys' questions first, and then we can go through our ones. So Jordan has asked, "What's your perfect Sunday?"
1: Uh, my perfect Sunday would be going into Jordan's program and seeing it completely filled out with no injuries. And he's progressed well, and he hasn't flown to the other side of the world and feels knackered for his training. So that'd be my perfect Sunday for uh, that one. But uh, aside from that, i would probably be uh, Sunday lunch, spending time with the family, going out for a walk, maybe getting in a little session in the morning. Good weather, uh, good food, maybe a couple of beers, and yeah, we'll probably film, and that would that would be my perfect Sunday. enough.
0: So, similar thing for me. So. Um, just getting to spend time with my family so weekend for me is family time it's one of the reasons why i moved to online training is that i could then block out like well, when i'm working and when i'm not so yeah it'd be spending time with my little one maybe going out for the day like just going somewhere at the moment it seems like a massive uh things going out for a meal or to the seaside or something like that spending time with uh the family the dog getting everything together trying to drag the teenager away teen, teenager and the 10 year old away from their xboxes for a little bit um yeah so it sounds like pretty similar it's family i think that's the number one thing um as soon as you've got kids it kind of puts things into perspective about like uh, something came up on a timeline on my birthday that was like what I bought myself like, with my birthday money and it was like you would go in like out, out sort of like an outfit for a, like some fancy dress thing and it was like this was 10 years ago and what I bought with, bought with some birthday money this year was a carpet cleaner and I got very okay. excited about my carpet cleaner because yeah, having a dog and a toddler means that the carpets have been looking awful. So yeah, that was uh, the, the change that's happened with age. Amazing. Okay, so Lewis, can having a home gym turn into being a home gym collector, just like cars, stamps, or model trains? How to avoid just collecting all the gear and keeping focus on the actual training? Um, You've had a home gym for a lot longer than I have, so I'll let you take the lead on this one.
1: Yeah, I never know how to answer these questions, because the whole point of a home gym is like when we say, it's your gym, your rules. You can do whatever you want. I mean, if you wanted to just collect would weigh treadmills and elico dumbbells and just have them at home and not use them that's that's totally your choice that's the you the, uh, the world we live in i don't know where you say it's capitalist or whatever you can buy whatever you want and do whatever you want with your space and no one's going to care i mean yeah we've all got our own options and <clears throat> personal opinions on what to do with the equipment we have some people generally like collecting things some people love fixing up their cars and buying things for that you know some people just love buying equipment from the home gym and just knowing they've got the greatest gym or whatever, but, you know, maybe not necessarily are the most successful lifters. But that's, that's totally cool. That's fine. I mean, there are world champions who have a barbell, a, uh, a rack and some plates, and they're incredible lifters and they're, you know, they're, they're all go and no show, whereas you've got the other side of things, you know guys and girls worrying about, you know, should I buy this spec barbell because of its tensile strength and how, what place should I get? What, what kind of rubber, um, bumpers should I get? They just go a bit overboard, but at the same time, it's their, it's their passion. It's what they're into. It's what they like talking about when you get into something, you know, the home gym is a hobby and it becomes, you know, quite a consuming hobby, but people just love to keep adding to it or buying things or, you know, collecting that, that, that does happen. I mean, if you want to keep the focus on just training, just train in your home gym. non-stop, no stopping you having the time of your life in there. You can have a, a set of dumbbells, uh, a bench, and go crazy. But, um, I mean, I mean, how to avoid collecting all the gear is just don't collect all the gear. I mean, that's why I kind of get a bit, I don't know where these questions go. Um, I think what he's trying to say is maybe it's it's bad that people are collecting equipment, making their gyms look really pretty, and not building the phys- this amazing winning physique or whatever. But it's kind of like, well and so what like that's that's what they want to do they're happy you know you can get strong with just a barbell and some weights but then you can also get strong using speciality bars and different methods and different kind of training you know do what you want to do it's it's totally fine it's your gym you can do whatever you want um so i mean i mean that kind of question i would always i would say cringe but just i never know quite how to answer it because it's a bit of a leading question but yeah. you know if you don't want to collect all the gear and just train just train yeah exactly so it would just be like anything
0: else like anything like when you buy something you get a hit of dopamine so it can become an addiction just like anything that makes you feel good can become an addiction um there are worse addictions that you can kind of have but as long as you aren't putting yourself or your family in financial difficulties because you just have to buy home gym equipment you can buy as much as you want um as long as you've got the space for it and like. Nobody's like suffering because of it, then yes, it can become a home gym collector, but you're not doing anybody any harm. It's just another hobby at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, I think we could agree on that one. So, uh, Simon Irving, how heavy are the first-timer events at Strongman events? I'll have to let you take this one because I have no idea.
1: Yeah, not too heavy. they have been getting a little bit heavier because there's been the problem of I don't know if it's a problem or not, but some seriously strong guys going into novice and first time events with you know almost opens level strength, and it, it gets a bit silly sometimes. But the way to look at it was, if you look at the event, can you do the weights? or if you have a bit more, t- a little bit of time and a bit of training, can you hit that weight? You you should go for that event. But I mean, in terms of overhead, you may be looking. 80 for a first-timer, maybe 80 kilo for reps on the log, maybe 180, 200 for reps on the deadlift. Stones, probably up to maybe 120, 140. Um, Farmers, you're kind of looking at around 100 kilos a hand, Um, that kind of thing. Like sandbag carries about 80 kilos, so not particularly heavy. But the idea is they're not meant to be particularly heavy because they they're, the whole point of a first-timer is it's your first time. It's meant to be accessible. A lot of times with these weights and the first-timer events, people have never done that specific strongman event. So you might have some going in to do a yoke carry who's never done it before. So why do they need to make it crazy heavy? So maybe 180 kilos, 200 is enough for that day because they're, they're the weights are aimed in a way to get people interested in the event and want to do it. So they are, you know, they're pretty light you know i think pretty much anyone who's trained hard and interested in strength can enter a first time strongman and complete the weights um most events i mean normally when i look at competitions if if you can get through most of the events you're confident in with the weight go for the competition you know it turns it gets a bit different when you get uh, up the levels because you're it's, it's a little bit different there might be some events you zero in um but that's that's you know it's not obviously it's not five, but that's something you can work on but in terms of first-time event strongman, yeah, normally about 80 overhead, 200 off the floor dead. Squats don't really come up that much. If they did, maybe 150. Um, so, you know, relatively like compared to what the Opens are, it's nowhere near what you would see on TV or the big guys or even high-level, you know, bodyweight categories. But it's meant to be that way to be accessible for people to give it a go. Cool. So Sam, what is your favourite power
0: bar? Texas, Ohio, Elite, FCS, Eleco, etc. And what point is it worth buying a top tier bar rather than a budget bar?
1: Um, um well, are you, are you many or just barbell bodybuilders? Is it just more barbells or barbell? Barbell, barbell. Um, you yeah, the bodybuilders are going up to those sort of weights. Um, uh, I mean, some, some of them are. I think a lot of them are. But um. I think powerlifters get, we, you know, we love the specs and, you know, it's, it's the home gym hobby thing. You know, we're obsessed with that kind of stuff. Um, knowing the specs, the tensile strength, what's bar's best, does it flex, does it not, what do you think, the diameter, all that kind of stuff. So when we're talking power bar, we're typically talking a 29-millimeter bar that is quite aggressive knurling, center knurling that you would use for your big three. Not much, um, shouldn't have much flex at all. Sleeves don't really rotate, not that suitable for Olympic lifting. So we're looking at um, bars that sort of go into that mold. So some of the brands he's mentioned, um, you know, go through them. Texas power bar, you know, lovely bar. It is sort of a bit more whippy than the other bars. You've got a half a mil difference, which sounds like you know we're getting very finicky here, 28.5 mil compared to a 29 mil bar. What that means is it's just got a little bit more flex in it, so you do notice on the deadlifting when you start creeping up in weights and squats, it does have a bit of flex. I would say you don't notice it too much when that's the only bar you use. When you go from a Texas into an Ohio and then back into a Texas, you do notice the whip a bit more. You're not quite used to it, so there is a tiny bit more flex. Um, but you know i see the the texas power bar almost as like the deadlift bar of power bars just because that little flex but you know they've been around for years and years and years you know there's a lot of call for them to potentially upgrade it uh, maybe look at making the bar 29 mil but i think they're kind of like it ain't broke don't fix it let's just crack on but you know i think there are some upgrades that can be made to it now with all so many other great bars on the market i mean i Power power bars the bar I, i personally own and like a lot it's got very aggressive knurling it's very stiff uh, competition colors it's got a nice black uh, finish onto it and that's a fantastic bar that's the bar i recommend to anyone who is looking for the best value bar and what i mean by value is not cheap i mean what you're paying for it in what you're getting for it Yes, you're going to pay a bit more for that barbell, but in terms of what you're getting, with specs, tensile strength, it's IPF approved, which means you care to, it's it's um, used in competitions. You know, you'll see them at the um you know I O I O Arnold. You know, people have set world records on this bar, so it's it's a bar. It's it's going to take anything you can put in it until you drop it from your rack into safety straps not set correctly and it bends. But when it does bend, you get a free replacement. And that is something to think about a lot, you know, with barbells. Um, If you're buying a new Rogue bar, I think it's the same with the Alicos. If you bend it, it's almost a no questions asked new bar sent straight out to you, which is, I think, worth its weight in gold, really. So I'm a big fan of the Ohio Power Bar. That's my... You know, with good reason, you'll see a hundred reviews on YouTube about it. It's probably the best bar for most people interested in getting strong. Um, I haven't tried an Elite FTF, but FTS bar. I know Sam. I think personally, is a big fan of that bar. Spec-wise, it looks fantastic. I don't think Dave Tate's going to put out a shit product, so you know, I'm sure it's fantastic. You know, someone just sold the other day around 280 secondhand. So I think that kind of tells you the quality of the bar that uh, people are still willing to pay quite a lot of money, even secondhand, for a good bar. I mean, the specs look great. Looks really nice, good finish. And you know, I Elite FTS have been around for donkeys years, putting out great um, equipment, so I'm sure it's fantastic. Uh Alico bars are I probably would say my favorite to use. And my last comp I think I used a I don't think it was stainless steel, but you just felt the difference when you gra- when you um, grab that bar. Just the knurling was spot on. It felt like it was glued to your hands, no flex. It just had a certain feel to it. It felt expensive, which it is. You know, we're talking a fa- nearly, I think nearly a thousand pounds worth of barbell. It was phenomenal. You know, by far the best bar I've not by far, but the best bar I've got to use uh, for a power bar. But is it worth the extra? We're we talking about maybe six hundred pounds more. But don't quote me on this. Than in Ohio. I'm not so sure if it's worth that extra bit to buy that bar for home use, especially, you know, if you drop it and you bend it, like if you drop an elico, it's probably going to bend straight away. It's not a very durable bar, but it's not meant to be. It's just meant to be a competition barbell for competitions. So it's for that purpose. So I think in terms of the feel and the way it acts, the elico is amazing. But I think the Ohio is very close to it, if not pretty much just as good but it's a lot cheaper and has that you know a bit more readily available. So, I mean, my favorite bar would probably be the higher. In terms of other power bars, I've tried the Extreme Fitness Tiger Power Bar is very nice. I would say it's quite similar to a Texas power bar, but it's a bit thicker. So it's a 29 mil bar. So it's more um, a proper powerlifting IPF spec. Uh, there is some whip in it. So I have noticed when I went on my squats around the sort of 260, um, weights, it did have a bit of bend in it, but I only noticed that when I started getting around 240 plus on that bar, deadlifting, it does have a bit of bend on the floor, which for some people is brilliant. I actually like that flex off the floor. It makes it feel whether it is or not, it makes it feel a bit easier off the floor. But if you want a traditional bar, you know, what do you call it power bar that needs to be dead stiff. I mean, is it worth buying a top tier bar than rather a budget bar? Um, I say it depends as everything personally, I would say, for your own particular budget buy the best bar you can with the most you can um, with the amount of the most amount of money you can afford so put your budget for a barbell as high as you can you know um, don't you know if you're looking at 50 quid bars maybe look at 150 quid bars that kind of thing if you're looking at a 200 pound bar, barbell maybe look towards a 300 pound really st- push yourself on that it's the only bit of equipment i would really say that maybe an adjustable bench but specifically the bar don't skimp on that because your barbell is something you're going to use in your training day to day all the time if you buy a 50 quid barbell 100 quid barbell say it lasts you three or five years that's fine that's cool and then it bends you're going to need another barbell if you buy a good barbell you know say if you buy the ohio with a lifetime warranty that barbell is yours forever so for the sake of you know spending a bit more initially if you break it down per year, you know you're not spending that much as the years go on for how good the barbell is. I mean, the other barbells is available uh, even during COVID. You've got the Austin Primal bar, I think, which is 250. I think um, Jay has that bar. I think um, fantastic specs. You know, really, really good looking bar. Has the comp collars. Good specs. Looks very similar to an Ohio, but is a bit cheaper. And then below that, you know, you've know, you got your Bastard Power Bars. The ATX Ram Bar looks really good. I haven't tried these personally. The, the Bastard Power Bar, I tried an old version of Strength Shop. It was okay. Um, I would say the Ohio is significantly better, um, even for the extra money. Um, and then you know, I would, I would always advocate buying the best barbell you can get. So I would say yes, push your budget up a bit higher. I mean, even if you know maybe in your lifetime you're not going to go over maybe 260 on deadlifts or whatever that kind of stuff. Yeah, you could probably buy a cheaper barbell, but you know, we're still talking in terms of cheap. You know, 150 is still a significant amount of money, but you can still get great bars for around that price. But I would probably avoid your budget budget barbells if you plan on training at home for a long time and keeping the equipment. So, I think I've gone on for quite a while on that, but uh, All right. that's
0: um, to be honest, like before I joined this group, I didn't realize the amount of different barbells and stuff there was out there. Like, as I said, I've just always trained in a commercial gym. I'd seen a safety squat bar, like in like one gym that I trained in, um, I'd seen a trap bar for like the deadlifts, and that was about it. And then when I kind of joined this group and everyone was starting to talk about, and about all these different bars and it's just like, just yeah. blown my mind that there is all these the different specs and different things. So I have done a little bit kind of a research into it, but I am nowhere near as clued up as yourself or as some of the other guys on the group are kind of when it kind of comes to this. Um, I don't know whether that's just because with me being essentially a natural bodybuilder um, that, the weights that I lift just they don't go anywhere close to where just your normal standard barbell that would kind of like sit in a gym. Like we've all been to those big meter gyms where they've got the bars that have got essentially the bow in them. And it's not because they've been made that way. It's because some massive guy is deadlifting like six plates a side or something like that and has actually physically bent the bar. Um, and I don't think any of us want that for kind of, within our home gym. So I think it's as you said, it's kind of set a budget for it, but try and go to the top end of whatever budget you can afford. Especially Mm -hmm. if you're gonna be having a home gym for 10, 15, 20 years, like at the end of the day, you don't want to have to buy it once, yeah, last five years and then have to buy it again. Because you'll end up spending that same amount of money buying the better quality bar because the first one that you got Broke after kind of a
1: certain yeah. period of time. It's one of those things, like the more you know about it, the more you'll probably want it. Like, you know, when you buy a phone, what, what, what should the phone do? Turn on, turn off, text, call, maybe go on the internet. But then we all we seem to obsess almost over, well, I've got to get this one because it's got this, or this camera's got a bit more on it. You know, essentially they all do the same thing. But, yeah. you know, because you're into it, you, you always want to go for that next level. I think it's the same with gym equipment. I mean, this kind of goes back to the point we were making earlier. Like, you've obviously achieved a lot of success in your natural bodybuilding and you're coaching but yet you know in terms of maybe internet barbell knowledge you don't really know much but you've done you've already built you're building a physique without it and you're doing all this kind of stuff so yes of course you don't need to get all these things um it's just it's a nice to have and uh, be you know if your sport you know powerlifting of the sport is the barbell you that is your sport so you're going to want to have a good one it's like if you play football or rugby you know you're probably more interested in your boots. Like I was always just the kind of, I'll buy the cheapest of Mizunas I can get on my feet. And I never really gave a shit. Whereas, you know, the guys in the backs, typically doing all the kick and all that kind of stuff, they're spending a lot more on bits of equipment. It's, you know, it's totally, you can go as nuts as you want, or you can go as cheap as you want. You might even go, do you know what? I'm happy buying 50 quid bars every couple of years off Facebook Marketplace. I don't care. Cool. No worries. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right, on to some of our questions, so let's pick uh, one, what have, you financed, yeah, what have you financed for your gym and do you recommend it?
1: Yeah, so I was interested in that because um, now with PayPal you can do things like four months 0% interest financing and I know some companies, I don't know if they're doing it now with COVID, but pre-COVID we're offering things like a year 0% finance. Which is, you know, probably the best version of a loan you're gonna get. So have you I haven't done it yet. I might do in the future, but I know I think you have bought a few things through finance. So yeah. I just wanted to like, you know, maybe let some of the so my, you know that it's doable.
0: Um, my multi-gym I bought on finance because I got that from Argos. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know when you spend over I think it's over five hundred pounds on the Argos card, you can get a year, twelve months zero percent. But as with all store cards, you've got to be really, really careful because you have to pay it off within that year, or else they backdate the interest to the point of paying it. And the interest is like, it's either 25 or 30%. So if you, so my multi gym was like a grand. So if I didn't pay it off in time, it had been then £1,300 if I paid it off literally like the day after it expired. And then it's against thirty percent interest for however long it kind of takes you to pay it off. So if it actually takes you two years to pay it off, you'd pay nearly twice as much. So that's just kind of on that option. And um, the other thing that I got on a finance plan is my leg press. So again, that's on a zero percent finance option. I think it's for twelve months. It was like nine nine or something like that it's like 60, 65 quid a month and it goes down as a business expense so it's just it's one of those things it just helps me spread out the cost of when I'm buying something big so if you want to buy like a top quality rack at 1200, 1500 pounds but they've got a financing option whereas if you had to buy it in one go you had to go for the three, 400 quid jobby like With COVID and the whole, like, everybody's kind of being laid off and things like that, you've got to be aware that if you take it out, you're going to have to pay for it. Like, or it's going to negatively affect your credit score, or they might, I don't know how these things work, whether it gets sold to debt management companies or how it would work with PayPal. I think with PayPal, what they can do is um, they can essentially pull money out of your bank account. Or if you're a business and you use PayPal and you use PayPal credit, what they do is they take money off all your transactions that you do through it. So if you invoice somebody through PayPal, they'll take like 5% on top of their normal fee to help them kind of recover the money faster. So it's there as an option. Um, I'm not, I always limit myself to only having like one piece of equipment on finance at once. Just because what you don't want to end up is in this kind of mountain of debt. And we don't want to encourage people to be taking on debt. That is kind of like unmanageable. But for me, it's allowed me to buy something new. So I've got a warranty on it, on a leg press. Because it's something that I wanted, but it was a little bit out of the price range. That I could have just paid cash for it. Um, You said you haven't bought anything on
1: finance yet. No, I have for music equipment. Like I've bought a lot of... um drum kits and well, i bought an electric drum kit and i bought a, a double pedal thing on finance same thing 12 months and all percent and that was um you know a bit it was a lot easier to absor- absorb that hit you know we've you know there's, uh, there's other options of getting you know a 0 credit card and it seems to be 12 months this seems to be the the go-to if you're going to be 0 i mean after that yes you're selling incurring costs so it's kind of like you know, if you do want these bigger purchases and you're okay with um, spreading the cost and everyone gets their cash, um, as in who you're buying it off and you get the warranty as well with something new which is great, there are options like that instead of paying it all out in one go that there are these 9 percent um, financing packages which I think can be, you know, re- really handy, especially if you want, like you said, like a power rack or something you know, it's just, it can be done. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think
0: there's companies like Mirafit and stuff where they're putting together like garage gym setups as well where you're looking at like anywhere between two to five grand depending on what spec you want and if it's an outlay like that but you get everything all packaged together in one place and it's coming on a monthly fee say it's two grand and you're spending 50 quid a month what's the average uh, david lloyd gym membership mm, yeah. about 50 quid so It'll be even more you're so yeah, paying no you stop, in theory, you stop your gym membership, you're paying 50 quid a month, for two years or whatever, which is what you'd have been paying out to a gym anyway. And then you've got your home gym set up to a fairly decent spec. And you can just be kind of adding bits on top of that as well. Cool. So the one thing I wanted to talk about this week was I've had a lot of questions about um, like meal plans and flexible dieting coming through when I've been getting them on DMs and it's all basically You people tend to fall into one of two groups. They either just like, right, I just want you to tell me what to eat. I just need, I just need a meal plan. And those people always fail at dieting just because what they, they don't need a meal plan. I can tell them that now. Uh, and then you've got the other group that are just like, I hate counting calories. Um, I can't like no diets work. Like it's just all a massive farce. And it's just like, well, diets do work like if you control the amount of energy that's going in so the amount of energy that's going out and put yourself in a calorie deficit it will work it's just what you're trying to do at the moment isn't working so i just wanted to go into essentially meal plans and how i've adjusted how i deliver meal plans now so a set meal plan where it's like you're going to eat this for breakfast this for this for dinner Yes, it will work in the short term if you can keep to it. Now, the average person is not a robot. Like for me, because I was prepping for a bodybuilding show last year, I had a set meal plan. I ate pretty much the same food day in, day out for about a year. And I will tell you now, it is fucking horrible because it limits your choices. You end up having to, like your family's having a meal and you're eating out of a Tupperware tub. Like it's, it's not a great way to live. And it really, really messes with your mental state. Like towards the end, when I came out of that prep, like I ate everything. Like I must've, I think I put on like six to 10 pounds in the first like two, three weeks. Um, Just because I I hadn't allowed myself anything for that long, but I just wanted to eat everything. So yeah, as I said, the number one reason meal plans don't work is people tend to not be able to keep to them. And then the other end of that spectrum is flexible dieting. So, this is where you, you utilize things like macros. My little one just. Said. You can. You can. Talk. You, can you can Thank you. I know. I know. You can't to say hello to everyone. You not say hello to everyone. What's the matter? Grumbly. Can we help talk them through what flexible dieting is? Yeah. You (laughs) like flexible dieting. Yeah you do. (laughs) So essentially with flexible dieting what we do is we track your food as it is now but we will give you targets. So the most flexible version of it is just a protein target and then a calories target. And then people would fill in their normal foods in between that, as long as they're staying under the calories, but staying above the protein, it's, that's fine.
1: That's yeah. the most That's the simplest. You're okay. You're kind of setting targets for people's, everyone's meals saying, you know, potentially you can, for meal one, I don't know, 30 grams of protein, four grams of carbs, 10 grams of fat, like here's your targets. And then they might know foods themselves that will kind of sit in well with that. And they're saying that if you want to do it this way, if you want your five meals, eat this at this time, this is your target for this meal, then this meal. And then would you like maybe say post-workout, maybe push your carbs up? Would you, would you have it all laid out like in that way?
0: Sometimes. So it all depends on the level of experience of the person that's coming through. So if somebody is quite used to like tracking foods, they know the different food groups inside and out. So if I say to them, right, you need 40 grams of carbs, this and the of this this milligrams of fat they would instantly know foods that would fit into those groups then we can go into something a little bit more complicated for the average person like if you try and do an if it fits your macros model it gets too if you're okay, yeah you can see yourself on the screen you? Yeah. <laughs> um, it gets too complicated because they've got too many numbers to focus on so we simplify it down and just focus on two, guess at that are trying to tell them? What are you trying to tell them? You've got to take your dummy out, boy. You say hello. Say hi, yeah. What's your name? <laughs> you don't know your name. <laughs> be What's that? That's the boys messing about. <laughs> yeah, the boys. Yeah. Josh, Josh. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So essentially. <laughs> we have almost like three tiers. So when I first start working with someone, we'll try the flexible dieting with just the carbohydrate, the carbohydrates, the calories and the proteins. Mm -hmm. Just while we're implementing the training stuff. You want some food? Yeah, yours. okay. Just while we're implementing the training stuff, that's changed. And just to see if their diet is close to where it needs to be anyway. There's a lot of people, if they're already watching what they're eating, their diet's probably not going to be far off where it needs to be. So it might just need to make a couple of little tweaks. But if we just need to make tweaks, then we just make those tweaks, and then we can keep things the same. It might get three or four weeks in, and if somebody's saying they're trying to drop body fat, and we're three weeks in, and they've not been able to drop body fat, then we would move on to something I call the hybrid uh, food planner. So I would get them on a call, we would live build their one day meal plan where they're picking every single piece of food we're going to include some things in there that they enjoy so if your weakness is like i don't know um a Mars bar or whatever like just plan it in just account for it like that's the whole point of flexible dieting is that you can have some things in there that you kind of enjoy So we live build out that perfect day so that everything is lined out. They know exactly what they're going to eat at every single meal, however many snacks. So it it varies from person to person, but I tend to plan somewhere between three to five meals. So three main meals and then two snacks. And then basically on a training day, snack one becomes pre-workout, snack two becomes post-workout. On a non-training day, it's just kind of whatever. Sometimes I'll vary it between kind of training days and non-training days. Again, it all depends on the level of the person that's coming through. Because the general pop people that just want to lose a bit of body fat, like they they don't need training days, non-training days, and it being overly complicated because it gives them too much to focus on. If somebody's wanting to go for like athletic performance, then we might go into something like right. You've got a training day where you've got higher carbs and higher calories non-training days it's lower carbs lower calories and kind of like carbohydrate cycling and things there is a mountain of different dieting protocols out there and they all work but they don't all work for everyone so again it's just finding a way a middle ground that tends to work for the individual and a good coach is always going to Slightly adjust their plan to the individual that's in front of them rather than going, right? I'm the keto guy. If you're working with me, you're doing this because it might not work. Because if somebody's, I don't know, vegan, they ain't going to be able to do keto. Like it's as
1: simple as that. Well, you said I had a keto, a keto I got friends, well, not a friend, a girl I know, she's a keto vegan. I'm like, how she does it. Like, a keto, we like this, a keto fasting vegan. I was like, keto fasting vegan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, that pretty pretty cool. It's a nightmare to take out for a meal. Uh, yeah, the funny... Oh, I won't go too much, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean,
1: the funny thing is, she looks absolutely incredible, but um, just made from something else, you know, like yeah. really probably relishes the fact that it's really, really hard, whereas yeah. most people have put them off, whereas I think she probably uh, gets excited by the fact no one else can do this and I can, you know, that kind of, you know, which I guess there is an element of that sometimes with training, you know, sometimes we're like, you know what, screw you. I am going to have the uh, chicken and rice and you're going to eat the burger and chips. Like, and I, I will feel better for it. I think that's kind of been downplayed a bit maybe in the, in the, over the last couple of years, like you can obviously mix it and match and all that, but yeah, if you still choose to want to do that because it makes you feel good, like maybe, you know, morning cardio—it's been pretty much debunked; it doesn't cause any more fat loss. But does it put you in a great mindset of getting up early, getting your training in before uh, breakfast, and setting yourself up for the day? You know, is that what gets you going and feeling good? So, in that case, morning cardio is excellent. So, yeah. things can kind of work sometimes for different reasons that you think. I mean, dieting—dieting dieting was at the moment. I'm—you know—I've always been; I, I still am a very much macros—you know—that kind of guy. But at the moment, I'm not tracking anything i'm trying to just go back to you know eat maybe not eating like a kid and eating all the things i want to eat all the time and just being a bit more aware of what i'm doing you know basic things like have your protein eat vegetables at every meal eat some yeah. fruit if you're going to have a it, snack great but don't go crazy with it maybe don't have the whole pack of biscuits and just have a few i mean you know so far it's going all right i've done a few kilos so i'm just kind of seeing where i can get to on that because you know it's very basic advice but it's kind of doing the trick. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know macros are fantastic if they work for the right people. Uh, meal plans can be great. I like I like using prescribing meal plans sometimes, purely because it gives you a framework of what to work off. Go. Yeah. This is a sample day. This is what you sh- kind of should be eating. You know, you find the guys that are, guys that are really successful on macros anyway, probably end up eating most of the same stuff all the time anyway, just slight yeah. variations. And it's more they don't feel so guilty when they include the stuff they really like and that's where as i was saying that's why we go
0: and live build the perfect day so this is your perfect day you've been absolutely on it you prepped everything ahead of time there's no distractions like you can eat every three hours or whatever it is and this is like so the perfect day matches up to your macros matches up to your calories like spot on so nothing has gone wrong it might be that you can do two of those meals and you just have to be flexible on the evening meal and use my fitness pal or whatever to track that in an evening it might be right i've got an early meeting so i've had to take my snack in now as like meal one are you okay are you okay you get fancy yeah We'll wrap it up after this question, mate. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to finish up soon, just because she is. Oh, I you know. little brood, her running her yeah, big it's So, cute. Now, man. so uh, I think we covered quite a lot of the questions there. I have actually found that you can now schedule posts in ahead of time on the group. I did not know this until I got on the group on my laptop. So, um, the Tuesday posts now are going to get scheduled in the week before, so that I'm not forgetting to put them up. So hopefully next week we get some more uh, listener questions. it um, been great to chat to you as always, mate. And, uh, we haven't done for the last few weeks. Um, where can people find you? Um, so Instagram, Facebook? Uh, Instagram at Barbells and Beans. Facebook, Jeff, just add me as a friend. Daniel Frazier. Triple Perfect. And for me, it's PT for both. So, yep, been great to have a chat with you. And, yeah, hopefully I will see you again next week. Me, mate, you take care, buddy. Cheers.